VIP listeners, you are now on the mark. And this is our Sopranos anniversary episode. And nothing gets me pumped up, more excited, more nostalgic at this point than talking about the Sopranos. One of my most favorite TV experiences of my life. Every Sunday, sitting down, Sunday night, sitting down with my family, watching that episode of The Sopranos. It's a great, warm feeling watching this show, which to me was almost more of a family show than it was a mob show. Mm-hmm. And you got to respect that, right, Benny? All the different dynamics that the show, The Sopranos, hit. Absolutely. The Sopranos was maybe my favorite show, but definitely in the top two or three ever. I mean, I can put that on and watch it every time. In fact, one of the ways that this got sparked up is because I was on a huge Sopranos marathon recently. That's right. And another way that this episode came to life was the fact that this was kind of like the time of the year the Sopranos would be on TV. Football was over. Sundays were a little more open for people, and the new season of Sopranos would be out. Mm-hmm. It's about 20 years since Sopranos aired in 1999, and let me tell you, it still sticks up today. It's not one of those shows that diminishes over time. If anything, it just gets better. And like you said, it all has to do with that family. At the end of the day, that's all you're paying attention to. You know what I mean? That's the what the show dynamic. revolves around yes. is that Sopranos family. And throughout it, there's all these distractions and other things going on. But at that the end of the day, it's just well. the family. And that's why the final scene is that family trying to sit down and eat together. Which is incredibly symbolic in its own way. I'd like to propose a toast to my family. Someday soon, you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky... You remember the little moments, like this. That were good. Cheers. Now, January of 1999, this show began on HBO. And Benny, I'm one of the guys, I like the ending to The Sopranos. I thought it was fitting. I thought the open-endedness has left us with a lifetime of discussion that in its own right has kept the show alive for the next generations to come. Absolutely. I was right there with you. Obviously, in the moment, it was shocking. Hell, last night I rewatched the final episode, and it's still shocking knowing what's coming. And when it all goes black and it stays black for about 30 seconds Everybody or so, thought their cable went wrong. I know. It, it, it still is shocking. But I do love the open-endedness. I'd rather that than you know have a finality to it you know between tony what happened did tony get shot did tony not get shot did nothing happen what happened did he finally work his way out of the danger again or did the danger come back to find him did sill ever wake up out of his coma like tony did or did sill have the same fate as the rest of them We're going to be giving you guys a lot of interesting Sopranos facts during this episode. A lot of priceless facts, a lot of stuff that's going to make you think, a lot of stuff that's going to make you text your friend or call your mom or call your dad or whoever you shared a bond with this show over. So lock in with us here, gang. We're going to be hitting you with some priceless Sopranos stuff. Totally. And one of the things also about that final scene is that how many times throughout the whole series did you hear one of the kids, whether AJ or Meadow, screaming about how, oh, food's not going to help it. Oh, food's not the answer because every time there was a problem, it seemed that Carmela or Tony would talk about food. And in that final scene, they're eating onion rings. It, it, like, it's almost yeah, the like food didn't matter. the food, di- the food wasn't going to save anything. The food wasn't going to help anything, but it brought them all together. Correct. And, there, yeah, there's that higher meaning there. So one of the bigger factoids I'm going to hit you guys with is uh, to start this thing off is Michael Imperioli, who of course played Christopher. A fucking cocksucking metaphanook. His opinion on the ending was this. David Chase, the creator of the show, was trying to put us in the place of the last things you see before you die. You remember some little details and something catches your eye and that's it. You don't know the aftermath because you're gone. And with that, the show was gone too. So that's Imperioli's interpretation of the ending. He thinks that Tony's dead. He's quoted as saying that. 
I think so too. When you look, when you break down the scene itself, it's shot in a way that makes you believe that when somebody walks through the door to the restaurant and you hear the bell go off, it then cuts to Tony's perspective in what Tony would see in his eyes. And the very end, the mysterious man in the members only jacket had gone to the bathroom. Meadow finally walks in through the door. Tony looks up to see it, but you don't see anything. It's just darkness and black. And a lot of people believe that that symbolizes Tony's death. And the song that we all remember playing in that scene was Don't Stop Believing." And, you know, Benny, on a personal note, that's not really a song that I would necessarily like, but that scene made me like that song. And then shortly after this show ended, I'm up in New York City living, and there, that was like the neighborhood bar closing song. Mm-hmm. And it really, now that song has a place in my heart. I always enjoyed the song, but it definitely fits perfectly, you know. In Isn't it interesting, though, that David Chase didn't do anything like quintessential Italian for well, that scene? I was just going to say. all the honing into on their Italian-Americans I was just going like to say that. that if you were to have started the series and told me the in the final episode, in the final scene, Don't Stop Believing is going to be the song, I would have gone, that sounds terribly corny and horrible. And that's not going to play. But it fit the diner. But in the moment, after everything you've watched, in the moment, it makes perfect sense. And it's just cliche enough to work. Could it be? Could it mean, don't stop believing, that Tony could still be alive? Well, that's definitely part of the meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, don't stop believing in a lot of the things. Yep. Now, guys, this higher meaning stuff, this symbolism, this is the reason The Sopranos was the first cable television show to win the Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series. When David Chase pitched this show, his manager, Lloyd Braun, said, Consider TV. I want you to know that we believe that you have inside of you a great television series. So they really pushed David Chase to turn this from movie to TV. Now, as we all know, David Chase is now doing a Sopranos prequel movie that is in production. Uh, The Many Saints of Newark. I believe, that's slated to come out around 2019 or in 2020 or 2021, excuse me. Now, an incredibly annoying character that would make my stomach churn and my uh, chest get tight was Tony Soprano's mom, Livia. Mm. I don't know if it's because she reminded me of people in my life or just because her innate character was unbearable and you felt for Tony going through all the stress in his life that he also had to deal with his mother that yet he was still so good to. Oh, for you. But now, learning this factoid that I'm now going to share with you helps me tolerate her and just enjoy, frankly, her work as an artist and an actress. While doing these scenes, Livia had cancer. Now, her name's Nancy Merchant. She was sick with cancer during her time on the show. And she requested from David Chase, just keep me working. Meaning keep me in scenes, keep Mm -hmm. me busy, keep me in episodes. And David Chase graciously did so. Chase kept Merchant working until the very end. She passed away from lung cancer and emphysema on June 18th in the year 2000. One day before her 72nd birthday. Which in all actuality is young. Yeah. Livia's final moments on screen were cobbled together from old footage and special effects. They used CGI in her final scene on the show because she had already passed. Crazy. Why does everything have to have a purpose? The world is a jungle. And if you want my advice, Anthony, don't expect happiness. You won't get it. People let you down. And I'm not naming any names. But in the end, you die in your own arms. It's all a big nothing. What makes you think you're so special? It is crazy. Now, the show's creative team included Matthew Weiner, who went on to create another one of our favorite shows, Mad Men. Sure. Great show. And isn't it fascinating, Benny, that the Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark, is going to take place during none other none other than 
the Mad Men era. Mm-hmm. That is cool. So you wonder if he's going to be helping out former friend David Chase on that project. That definitely would make sense. It really would. And The Sopranos included 28 cast members from Goodfellas. Vincent Pastor, Michael Imperioli, Lorraine Bracco, Frank Vincent, just to name a few. Now, Ray Liotta was approached about a role in the year 2000 to join Sopranos, to join the Sopranos. Probably in one of those roles, Benny, where he would get killed at the end of the season. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and Liotta turned it down because he wanted to focus on his film career. And I bet if you talk to him today, that would be a huge regret. Because I couldn't name really one thing that Leota's done of note since. Yeah, he definitely has not been in He's in a Shantix commercial. Yeah, he definitely hasn't which been in Blockbuster and great films by any means. And I'm sure he would have liked the role in The Sopranos looking back. Having said that, you know, it's one of those things where maybe he gets a little less respect if he jumps right back into that. Uh, and I think that's pretty much what he was getting at. So he was quoted as saying, Having done Goodfellas, I mean, that's pretty much the ultimate in mafia everyday life. And that show is pretty much structured around Tony Soprano. There was no way I was going to shine, he said. It just didn't seem like the right thing to do. I love him, speaking of James Gandolfini, Gandolfini as an actor. I think he's great, but my ego's as big as everybody, as anybody's. And isn't that the thing, Benny? Pride becomes comes before the fall. He could have put his pride to the side and been a part of an American TV institution and Goodfellas. Sure. And nobody would have necessarily typecasted him for that. Maybe, but I'll also throw this out there. Depending on what kind of character the Sopranos were going to give him, it's very likely that his character was kind of going to be a bit of a prick and maybe viewed negatively. And already in Goodfellas, he portrayed a, a rat, rat who people don't necessarily portray negatively. And so uh, I think he might have been worried about he survived Goodfellas and having that ruin him and have people think he's a rat because of that. So he didn't want to necessarily put himself in danger of that with Sopranos. Another person that didn't want to put himself in danger of thinking he was a rat was, was Paulie Walnuts, who was played by... Tony Sirico. Tony Sirico. And Sirico, when he was getting offered the job, he liked it, but he said, I'll only sign on if my character will never be a rat. And this is a man who, in real life, has had a run-in with the law as kind of a gangster himself in some rights. According to the LA Times, his rap sheet was longer than his acting credits. 28 arrests and 27 acting jobs. Now, people forget he was even in Raging Bull in the early 80s. So, it's unbelievable because David Chase had an obvious admiration for Sirico. And he worked a lot of Sirico's real-life things into Paulie Walnuts' character, like big things. So Paulie's a neat freak and has unusual living arrangements, which were transferred directly to Paulie Walnuts. So that was Sirico in real life and Paulie Walnuts in the show. He said, I lived with Ma for 16 years before she passed. David knew that going in. That became one of my storylines. Mm-hmm. I can't stand touching fucking shoelaces. Ever go to tie your shoes and you notice the end of your laces are wet? Come on. Why would they be wet? I got no fucking idea. You go to public bathrooms? You stand at the urinal? Oh, fuck. Come on, will you? He's asking me. I'm telling him. And frankly, it's important. Even if the lace is dry, and even if you don't touch the body of the shoe, bacteria and virus migrate from the sole up. You see this on TV? I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. Your average man's shit house is a fucking sewer. You look at ladies' johns, you could eat maple warm and ice cream from the toilets. Hey, there's exceptions. But a man's? <laughs> it's all over the fucking floor. Urinals jammed with cigarettes and more pop cakes. And they can pour all the fucking ice they want down there, my friend. It does nothing to kill germs. Even if you keep your shoes tied and you're not dragging your laces through urine. Oh, shut the fuck up. I mean, that was a big part of the show, and that was some good comedic relief at times, too, if Always you Always good comedic relief. <laughs> to go back to that final episode, there's a part that stuck out to me last night, and I can't for the life of me remember the exact thing that was being said, 
but it was at some sort of party or gathering, maybe a funeral, I believe, maybe Bobby's funeral. And all you heard was in the background, Paulie in the very beginning. He's not on scene, but you just hear him in the background asking something about the food platter or something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just something very hilarious that those little comedic relief moments made the Sopranos absolutely epic yeah. and make it epic to this day. Oh, uh, it was great. And here's the thing that also you have to look at. What gave Tony Sirico so much clout with a genius like David Chase to never get killed off, to have character selection, like, hey, I'm not being a rat. And, like, what made Chase oblige there? I mean, Tony Sirico had very small roles in Goodfellas and very small role in Raging Bull, and he had no clout. Well, I think that that's one of the reasons why. And all right, now, could it be because he's a quintessential, hey, this is a TV guy. I never have to worry about him leaving the show to go to a major movie production. This is a rock, a pillar of the show that I could keep throughout. Sure, maybe that had something to do with it. You weren't afraid of losing him to other ventures. Having said that, I I think one of the things is the fact that people can recognize him as being around these gangster movies and pinpoint him not out of place in these areas. Having said that, I can't necessarily formulate multiple scenes in other things that he was a major part in in those roles. He was always a side character. So it's not somebody like, let's say, Ray Liotta or Frank Vincent or somebody that you can pinpoint in these special scenes in other gangster roles. He's just somebody that fits in and has the look to him and the sound to him. And how could you get rid of Paulie, honestly? Oh, he was beloved. He's one he's, of the he's best beloved characters. to this day. He's one of Whenever the best characters. it's cold outside, everybody posts the meme of Paulie and uh, Christopher in the Pine Barrens freezing. Which is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. With my own body. That's a trick. 16 Czechoslovakians. It's like diehard shit. Could be him out there stalking us. What, what? His cock? What's that? Nathan's bag. Fuck, there's some ketchups and shit. Fuck it. Give me some. Not bad. Mix it with the relish. Give me your shoes. I can go get help. Fuck you. You're not leaving me here. You don't trust me? It's stupid. Pitch dark out there. And what's your fucking plan? He catch your packs? We should have stopped the Roy Rogers. And I should have fucked the 11s, but I didn't. What are those, Tic Tacs? I just found them. I didn't know I had them on me. You had Tic Tacs all along? Give me some. There ain't no more. I ate them. Selfish prick, I'm dying here. Now fucking die already. Oh! Do that by your own window. I don't want to smell your piss. Or they post the Frankie Carbone in the meat truck. Sure. And say it's Frankie Carbone cold outside. Now, I've referred to David Chase as a genius a few times already on this show, and I do believe he is. But something that makes me question how much of a genius he actually is, Benny, is this. He originally wanted Steven Van Zandt to be Tony Soprano, and this show would have never evolved if Van Zandt was Soprano. And I like Van Zandt, and I like the job he did as Silvio. And he was fantastic, and he's a good man, and he's a very... Uh, acclaimed musician in Bruce Springsteen's band. But I just couldn't imagine him as Tony. Well, me either. I I don't know how much it was David wanting to put him in that, or uh, I think it was Van Sant wanting that role. I don't know if he was comfortable giving it to him or not. I know at the end they say HBO wasn't comfortable giving an an unknown actor like that. Now that could have been that could have literally been his opinion too and he just blamed uh, yeah, put, the deferred higher up deferred which is commonplace which sounds perfectly logical to yeah. me so i i could see it not actually being a huge thing right. that he wanted and then chase went as far as to write in the character of silvio to the show so maybe it was like i kind of led this kid i led this guy on yeah. gave him the biggest hopes imaginable mm-hmm. and now they're saying no I'm thinking no, too, yeah. but let's get him involved because he's worthy. And not only was he worthy, he pro- possibly wound up being the best secondary character in the entire show. Oh, I wow. mean, he's We're so going to power the... rank them later. He's Is that... so, okay, uh, he's so over the you. top. He's so outrageous that it's just unbelievably good. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, always funny how... They would make him do the Al Pacino Godfather imitation, yeah. reoccurring thing. Uh-huh. 
Just when they thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> All right, Kay. Just this one time, I want you to ask me about my affairs. Is it true, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> no. You fucking skifoos. Uh. <laughs> Our true enemy has yet to reveal himself. David Chase initially thought he could be Tony Soprano because of his resemblance of Al Pacino. Now, I don't see a huge resemblance, but I see some. Yeah, I, I could see it. I, I just think that he has that perfect look once they do his hair up and all of that. Uh, it, him as Sill was a perfect job. It was perfect, like many aspects of this show. Now, originally, Tony Soprano wasn't supposed to be as much of a tough guy until David realized, you know, this guy, he is actually, you know, he has some innate natural toughness to him. James Gandolfini, that is. Mm -hmm. You need to have him tough. A mob boss has to be toughness to him. Well, especially one of his stature. It wouldn't make sense on screen, and frankly, even in real life, the way the world works, if you have this big boss Mm -hmm. and he has no physicality or toughness to him. And the thing about Tony is he wasn't always like that. He wasn't always intimidating. He wasn't always tough. He wasn't always mean. Right. But he was more than happy, especially when he sensed that he was being undermined or not respected to really, really show that he is that dominant alpha male boss. And there's some stories of them shooting scenes where he really roughed up Michael Imperioli. Like, oh, I'm sure. Imperioli's <laughs> tiny. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it makes sense. Now, getting back to the characters, I think the VIP listeners are going to enjoy this fact. Lorraine Bracco, who was also in Goodfellas, was originally asked to play Carmella. I think that would have been a fit. Yeah. I think that would have been a perfect fit. But it also would have been a problem, like I think that she saw. Again, you're playing this wife to a mobster. You need to change it up. It's almost, it would have not only done damage for her and her career, I believe it would have ultimately done damage to the show because it makes it come across as cookie cutter, if you will. And that's a great point. And uh, Lorraine Bracco felt the same way. She said, I want the challenge to play Dr. Melfi. Yeah. I don't want to just be the uh, Italian housewife, so to speak. Yeah. Not not that Edie Falco's character of Carmella was just strictly a simple Italian housewife. Yeah, definitely Because she not. was a complex character as she well. She absolutely was. But Bracco is quoted as saying, I was not ready for how fucking difficult Dr. Melfi was to play. I'm an explosive girl. I'm loud. I'm full of life and full of all kinds of bullshit. And I have to sit on every emotion, every word, everything to play this character. Bracco, of course, earned four Emmy nominations and three Golden Globe nominations for her performance as Sopranos. Well, how many times do we see a Carmella flipping out at Tony? So I'm sure she easily could have done that role. Having said that, that allows a parallel to a Goodfellas. And it takes you right back to her yelling at Henry. And now the disillusion has set in yeah and and they avoided that exactly and they did a good great job avoiding that great job because how many times did tony get into it with her as the therapist sure and she, she really didn't she really didn't <laughs> yeah. give it back to she him like legally yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's tough and you know what's fun man uh, funny uh edie falco and lorraine brocco uh on the show and off they're two beautiful women mm-hmm. great looking for sure great looking ladies now, Dr. Melfi was modeled on David Chase's real-life therapist. little creepy. Yeah, but it makes sense because when you're doing creative things like we do on this show, how many times do we bring real-life shit into it? Absolutely. So it I makes... mean, that's part of the whole thing. Yes. That's all part of the whole creative process. You bring your experiences into it. Now, a guy who I always admired, and maybe I still do in many ways— Maybe even tried to imitate him from time to time. Michael Imperioli as Christopher. When he auditioned, he thought he blew it. 
He said David Chase kept giving him notes and giving him directions, and he walked out of the studio saying to himself, I blew that one. He said David Chase was really a, a poker-faced guy, and uh, he really felt like Chase just hated his audition. His girl in the show, Drea DiMatteo, Adriana LaServa, was an unnamed hostess in the pilot. Hmm. You know, this is how careers can begin and things can come about. Yeah. She, and that's inspirational. She was an unnamed hostess, and she was brought in for initial for an initial round of casting. But according to her, she said Chase didn't think she was Italian enough. Now, keep in mind, David Chase is Italian. That's just his stage name. So in the pilot, Di Matteo appeared in one of the scenes as an unnamed hostess because she wasn't Italian enough to play Adriana. It wasn't until after the series was picked up that Matteo got the Adriana role. So it took some time for that to evolve. Interesting. In the show, Tony Soprano's character was estimated to be worth about five to six million, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they said that number uh, varied because of all his fluctuating gambling debts throughout sure. the seasons. Absolutely. Which Benny, you know, and Tony Nicky Jr. knows, that could be very real. Well, which is funny <laughs> is in one of the episodes in the final season when he goes out to Vegas and takes peyote and he hits huge on roulette. It's the same principle as the solar system. I was trying to calculate the other night just how much he made because... I think it starts out, he throws like a $25 chip on 24. Remember, he gets all And then it hits 24, so then he just throws a bunch, and he hits on 20 on a nicer stack of that. Because the machine was getting hot, he kept... Oh, no, it was a roulette table. Oh, it was at the table. Yeah, and so then he he hits on 20, and then he takes an even bigger stack of them, puts it on 24 again, and hits it. Yeah. And and then he gets this huge stack of cash, and then he falls on the ground laughing. Right. Because he's all fucked up on peyote and stuff. during that season was all those dream sequences. And I remember... No, is that the different season? I don't think that's the same season, but it it has the same feel as those dreams. I was thinking that during it. All right. I've watched this series two times through, and I've watched random episodes a countless number of times. I think I'm at a point, Benny where I'm ready to watch it beginning to end again. I mean, I just did that. I literally finished it last night, and I was watching for about the last three weeks, and it was all prompted because HBO2 is, had all I these know. marathons. I know. My so, mom was watching So some. I would sporadically watch those, <laughs> right. and then when I had to stop, I would get home that night and turn on the episodes that it stopped at, and then it just kept going. Bobby Bacala wore a fat suit, and I... I would have never guessed that. I mean, he's clearly a big dude. But to have the fat suit on surprises me in some ways. I know you said you're not as surprised. I'm not as surprised because I do remember in some scenes looking at him and going, God damn, Bobby is just immensely fat. And the funny part is, Oftentimes, he's around multiple other fat guys, including Tony. And still So looks. that's why the fat suit is necessary, because you have to yes. have some of these overweight guys not appear as overweight. All right, now here's a funny quote. He said, by season four, David Chase thought I was fat enough on my own. So he let me get rid of the fat suit. Oh, God. So there you go. Which could actually be a problem because in real life, yeah. that's around the time that he started getting a bigger role in the yeah. show. And that's around the time that I started noticing just how fat he actually well, was. Uh, so that's a double up on So, it. yeah, that actually might be a big negative towards him. The Bada Bing scenes were filmed at a real New Jersey strip club called Satin Dolls on Route 17 in Lodi, New Jersey. I got news for you. I just added that to my... I'm going there at some point in time. I'd love to go there, That's too. That's a holy grail. I'm actually now, very now curious here, Benny. if hold they on. used any of the strippers during the scenes. Great question. I would because guess the, no. Because well, I'm not saying shit. all of them. Well, the thing is, no, because they can just sign up for the union. Yeah. The thing, yeah. Like, me and you could be in a film, and we would just have to sign up for the union. Yeah. So... It, it, obviously, they wouldn't have the speaking roles, probably, or the one where Tony takes her home and gets a blowjob from her. Right, naturally. But yeah. the one's braces? just... Mm, that one, maybe. Ralphie killed the one with no, braces. No, Ralphie <laughs> killed the one with braces. Tony's but I think Tony let her blow, her blow him once. 
I believe so too, or she was trying too hard. I don't know if Tony and allowed it. And he got it. turned off by that. Yeah, I, Tony, Tony liked didn't the chase want it with the broads. And not only that, he's disgusted by Ralphie. Yes, and that too. He almost like skeeved Ralphie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I like in the background and stuff. I'm very interested to know if some of those strippers were just actual strippers. Some of them had some major bodies on Ooh, them. Ooh, seriously. Um. I think Tony even went as far as to spend a portion of Christmas Eve in it in, in that strip club. Because if and I'm the- <laughs> if I'm making a uh, TV show and it has scenes in a strip club, why would I then pay to bring in girls to get no, naked get and pretend to be strippers? Well, let's be when honest. I can just pay these. Uh, you know the strippers are up for. Well, let's be honest, Benny. Hey. if you really think about it. A lot of strippers probably are aspiring actresses. Absolutely. So or at least models yeah, or exactly. more than happy to get into those fields. Maybe they're not aspiring to be in those fields, but if they're offered it, then why not? Yeah, no question. Now, I want to check out this strip club in Jersey, but these strip clubs in Jersey are BYOB, right? Usually. And I wonder in North Jersey if it's the same thing. I'm not sure, but I mean. But long story short, this gentleman, this uh, Satin Dolls, this is like a holy grail. This, these yes. guys grace this place. I know. That is David cool. Chase, Martin Scorsese, Gandolfini. Yeah. They grace Frank Vincent. They grace this place. We got to make a stop. Maybe do a live show from up there. Oh, that would be special. And then they, they also did work at the Silver uh, Cup Studios in Queens, New York, on those stages for stripper scenes. Well, on that note, as on a slightly different note, but I just actually learned most TV shows are not filmed in Hollywood because of the taxes a ton and are all done of that. in Atlanta. All of them are they're filmed all over away from there. A lot in I Canada, know. a lot in Northeast, a lot in Southeast, because of all of the tax breaks that these other states are willing to give T V shows. Exactly. The actual home that Tony and his family lived in was in North Caldwell, New Jersey. There was a major beef and gripe on the set of the Sopranos after season four production where there was almost a sit-in of sorts where the actors essentially shut down the set. To help end the tensions, and frankly, to totally end them, Tony Soprano, or shall I say James Gandolfini, split his bonus among all the regular cast members, giving them all $33,000. If you didn't already think James Gandolfini was a great dude, Mm -hmm. that just says it all right there. Seriously, I mean, you can't end a great show like that because some people are tired of being slightly underpaid correct and i love this story benny about how david chase in any important scene or dramatic scene or violent scene shot it in more than one way and shot it a couple different times so the actors didn't know what was going to make the cut and couldn't give out any spoilers yeah very cool. I've heard that on multiple different shows, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, you shoot two, diff- maybe three different episodes when your budget's that big as theirs was, sure. you're able to do that, Great especially point. on a show that doesn't have major effects or anything like that. So you're not wasting money blowing stuff up or anything like that, usually. Great point. In the first three seasons, the World Trade Center can be seen in Tony's rearview mirror during the opening credits. And I don't know if there's any opening credit that's better than The Sopranos. I mean, when I watched this, these seasons through and through, I didn't skip the credits. I would, I would watch the opening credit again before each episode. And these are on days where I'm watching five at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, some of my... Most underrated Sopranos characters. This is a little segment of the show here. We're going to do underappreciated Sopranos characters. Season one had them. And that's how you know a show's going to be great. When there's these side characters that are fantastic that don't stick around necessarily. And you know there's more to come. I loved Al Sapienza as Mikey Palmisi. My cousin does an amazing Mikey Palmisi imitation. He was an incredibly annoying, in many ways, character, but it was very—it felt very realistic, and very tolerable. Even having the great Catherine Narducci from Bronx Tale, as Vesuvio's wife, playing Charmaine Bucco, was an awesome win for the show. 
that face recognition, Benny, and how realistic she really is in that environment. And Tony had a running crush on her through essentially the whole series. Michael Rispoli as Jackie April Sr. was interesting. And I, you would think, in retrospect, that they would have wanted to keep an actor like Rispoli around longer. Jackie April Jr. was one of my favorite characters. And a guy I, I didn't want to see die. I wanted to see him around. And it just didn't work out. Nah, couldn't keep he that guy bad. around. Yeah, he, he was a prick. Um, another character I reference a lot who didn't make it out of season one. But kind of felt realistic enough to me. Was Brendan Falone. Played by Anthony DeSando. Now, Falone was like an aspiring mobster in his mm -hmm. early 20s. More of like a street guy. Not even, you know, who knows what he aspired to grow into. But it was just kind of a entertaining side character. Who you knew was eventually going to get killed. Mm -hmm. Now, Feech Lamana who played Frank in Scarface, was in The Sopranos in 2004, whatever season that would put it at. And he was a gangster who got out of jail, lifelong, and he was just incredibly annoying. And they didn't want to kill him, so they set him up with some stolen TVs and tipped off the, the police or the feds and sent him right back to jail. I thought that was kind of unique and kind of kind of a cool way to do it. You know, like Benny, it's very easy to say, oh yeah, we'll have them blow Feech Lamana's brains off. It'll brains out. It'll make for good TV. Mm -hmm. But they still did it like in a tactical, realistic way. Because yeah. that has happened in real life and it actually does happen to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Robert Loggia, Frank in Scarface. Just cool, like coming from an Al Pacino movie. Mm -hmm. uh, 20 years later, even more I know, 21 years later, and into The Sopranos as an older character. And interesting thing about him, he, he's from Staten Island. He went to the University of Missouri. Kind of cool. And uh, he also went to Wagner College. He's uh, He was an actor for a long time. Robert Loggia. Real name was Salvatore Loggia. He debuted at 25 years old. On Broadway, The Man with the Golden Arm, in 1955. All right, and now, gang, there's some of our underrated guys. Now we're going to do our top five Sopranos characters, not including Tony Soprano, who is obviously our, our, our go-to guy. Benny, I'll rattle it off. You tell me if they belong. Phil Leotardo. He would be in one of my least favorite. Wow. Cocksucker. Well, yeah, but his performance was brilliant. Little known fact about Phil, uh, or Frank Vincent, rather, he came up with Joe Pesci in a band in Jersey in the 70s. Interesting. It is. You want compromise? How's this? 20 years in the can. I wanted Manicot. I compromised. I ate grilled cheese off the radiator instead. I wanted to fuck a woman, but I compromised. I jacked off in a tissue. You see where I'm going? Benny, one of my favorite monologues in TV history is when Phil Leotardo goes into his compromises spiel when he's sitting down with Tony Soprano and they're negotiating business so to speak and and times there was a lot of tension at those times phil was trying to do what was right for his crew his family his guys so i don't hate him for that so of course he's going to come across as a prick but if you look at it from a little bit different of an angle he was just doing what anybody would do in his situation in many ways 
I suppose. I mean, I look at it as there's a reason why his own guys were happy with him getting whacked by the end of it. Happy with a SUV crushing his dead head at the end of it. I love when he picked up the snow, when he got a snow cone, got back into his car. Look okay. at this. <laughs> he just did a lot of little things. All right, so we'll put him on the top five worst. Yeah. And when we say worst, what we mean is most hateable, essentially. Yes. yes. All right, how about Richie April? There's a guy who many people didn't want to see killed off so quickly. I, uh,. I thought he captured that character very well. It's the jacket. The jacket. The jacket. I took off Rocco DeMeo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cocksucker had the toughest reputation in Essex County, but he never came back after I got through with him. He later died of Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah? Nice jacket. It's a beautiful jacket. But it's yours to have now. Anywho, I thought the Richie, I thought the Richie April character was incredibly realistic, because there are guys like that who are no nonsense guys who will bust you up. And Richie wasn't afraid to do that, and he would drop some hilarious one-liners. And you remember the jacket that oh, yeah. he gives Tony. And like, uh, Tony yeah. was like taken back by it. He no didn't really want to what to say. It's yeah. ugly as shit. Yeah, but straps coming off in but, all different directions. But, and sitting in his trunk, but April talks it up to him and like yeah. talks him into liking it. Yeah, Richie April was one of those cock sucking characters to me too. I didn't necessarily hate him, hate him. I do like the idea of having the character that kind of you know, obviously he was in prison and he feels like he didn't get his back then and he feels like he's definitely not getting his right now. Yeah, he feels like he's owed something. And he wonders when he's going to get his and when it's going to be his time and he just keeps getting passed up and fucked around with. And, you know, he tries to fuck around with Janice thinking that might help somewhere. She ends up killing him. I was very happy to see him killed. He was also on my top hated characters list. All righty. Ralphie Cifaretto, played by Joe Pantaleone. Ralphie was another guy who, I guess you would say, reminded me of Richie April in many ways. Sure. I loved when they were having the backroom party at the strip club where it was almost like a lounge atmosphere, and he was already drunk, and he was way, he found like a yeah, chain, yeah. a bike chain. He's waving around quoting Gladiator. Because yeah. at the time, in it real life, yeah. Gladiator had just came out. It was very cool. And like guys that. of that nature, and frankly, everybody, liked yeah. Gladiator. Uh -huh. So it was like almost something you would do with your boys. Yeah. Hey, Ralph. I have come to reclaim Rome for my people. How you doing? I have come to reclaim Rome for my people! I don't get it. What do you mean? Fucking gladiator, you fuck. For the movie. I didn't see it. An asshole. Ho, ho, ho! What do we have here? What is this? The handsome contest? Yo, behave, you. Hey. Hey, baby. I was wondering why you were. Oh, oh, oh. Fucking kiss me. How many cops you suck tonight? Go on. Give me a drink. And they're doing it, and he's taking it too far. Sure. And, of course, that episode ends gruesome, because I believe that's where he does kill the stripper. Uh, I believe so, too. Yeah. So, once that happened, you knew he was done in Tony's eyes, because he was a loose cannon the whole yeah. way through. Yeah, Ralphie is up there in my top five characters. Now, obviously, he can be a cocksucker, too, but... There was something a little more funny and entertaining about him, something that I liked a little bit more than those other two idiots. Uh, at the end, though, I was happy to see him go because just like Tony, I was devastated when he killed that horse. Uh, and that's what really did it in. Oh, pie, oh my, yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't do that. And, you know, at that point, I, I wanted to see him go also. But until then, I liked Ralphie a little. He was a little sick and twisted. And, you know, he had his problems, I'll say. But he was entertaining, for to say the least. All right. And let me just stick with the Aprils right here. I thought she played a great role, Rosalie April. 
Oh, incredibly yes. realistic. Yes. Reminded me of a South Philly mom, Brooklyn mom, mm-hmm. New York, whatever. Oh, yeah. Through the roof. She killed that. She did kill that role. Sharon Angela. And look, for her, it, I'd probably go as far as to say it wasn't that hard of a role to play. It, that's probably who she really is. Sure, but at the same time, it was definitely over the top. It was definitely a dramatic role. And she had a character that had to deal with nothing but heartbreak and devastation throughout. Yeah. So it's not. Oh, look, an easy she executed. Role. You, there's she just did. something to be said. Oh, yeah. she did. You know, pressure sets in when you're around talented producers, talented yep. actors. I expectations. Don't know, I don't know if she's a top five character, no, no, but no, she's very good in terms of acknowledgeable side characters. Sure. She was incredibly believable. Fun fact about her: she was a voice in uh, the Grand Theft Auto video game. Interesting. That is interesting. Another side character that was always interesting to me and shady in many ways was Patsy Parisi, okay. played by Dan Grimaldi. He was kind of a weird guy. wasn't in every episode by any means. No. Was total was usually off to the side. Was like one of the go-to hitmen. But he had some moments and was a go-to hitman. Yeah, absolutely. He actually is in my top five characters. Wow, crazy. Cool. He's at the bottom, but yes, cool. Okay. Uh, I've always All liked right, we'll slide him in. Patsy, and I, my main scene is him with Gloria when he's taking her for a ride, pulls over, and she makes some comment about like, you know, oh, they'll notice if I'm not too gone. She thinks he's trying to get laid. And he tells her oh. that if he contacts Tony ever again, my <laughs> face is the last one you're, you're going to see, see, not um, his. You're going to have to play that quote on the show. Yeah, yeah I love that. that. that Putting was... her in her place oh, because this awesome. sick woman wants Tony to kill her. What's the matter? You don't like me? Look, I'm not back in 10 minutes. They call the cops. Standard operating procedure. Here's some standard operating procedure. Stay the fuck away from Tony Soprano. Shut the fuck up and listen. It's over. Over and done. You call or go anywhere near him or his family, and they'll be scraping your nipples off these fine leather seats. And here's the point to remember my face is the last one you'll see, not Tony's. We understand each other? It won't be cinematic. You're talking about Gloria Trillo. Yes. And she's a, a babe and a half. Absolutely. Um, uh, Annabella Sciorra, and she's uh, absolutely gorgeous. She was the Mercedes-Benz sales girl who Tony had his fling with, and yep. she went nuts on him. Man, she was sexy. She was, I but used to she was a nutcase. I seeing her on that screen. She reminds me of a girl I know, actually. And uh, she's about... Uh, She's from Connecticut originally. Annabella Gloria Philomena Sciorra. Man, that's a hardcore Italian name right there. Seriously. And that's interesting. David Chase used her middle name as her real name on the show. She's from Connecticut. Born in 1960. She's about uh, 40 in 2000. She was 40 on the She was 40 plus on the show. Yeah. Looking that good. She did look good. Let's add, let's get it off our chest and add Janice Soprano to the most Hated. hateable list. 100%. Incredibly she's up there. Hateable. Oh, is she terrible, Unbear- man? The Rolling uh, Stones tattoo on her tit. Uh, everything about her. God, she's just cry me a river every single chance she gets. Oh, how terrible. I know. I know. In fact, maybe the best part of Janice is. It might be the last episode after Bobby's dead. Tony pays her a visit, and she makes a joke about how now I got to watch what I eat because now I got to trap another husband. Yeah. And Tony found it, you know, as a joke. Yeah. And even though it's kind of a true joke. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's funny how, you know. You remember Sean Gizmonti? Yeah. He was kind of like an up-and-comer kind of guy, wanted to get involved. Mm-hmm. Him and the uh, him and the other one would walk around the apartment in their underwear, their tidy whities. Yes, I always found that off-putting. They were high, they were it, smoking all the time, right? Yeah, but I never understood why they can't put on a pair of shorts. Yeah, that was a little strange. A little strange. It's a weed yes. thing, but you're you're a weed guy and you don't do that. So. No. <laughs> Another great side character follows the show on Instagram, Matthew Bevilacqua, who. 
was the other kid walking around in was his the underwear. the other kid who we were just referencing in yes. the apartment living with Gizmondi. And uh, we appreciate him following us and supporting the show on Instagram. Yeah, we should have had him on today. We should have. It would have been very late notice, but there's nothing we uh, can't do in the future. Because that sugarless motherfucker, the last fucking drink you're ever going to have. Now, a character that many people believe led to Boardwalk Empire, Tony Blundetto, played by none other than Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. I thought Buscemi did a great job with Blundetto. That he did. I think he goes on the hateable list for me. Yes, me too. 100%. And The Sopranos is so great that I'm calling them hateable, but I enjoyed them in their own regard. Absolutely, but it's one of these things where you see how the character reacted to the situations that they were put in, and it's just not positive. And, you know, Blondetto gets out of prison. He tries to be straight edge for a little while, loses his mind when he finally gets a break with the Asian, with the uh, spa. Yeah. He was about to open, loses his mind, blows that up, decides, okay, let me get into the underground, yep. blows all his money, no no care for anything, just totally reckless, playing both sides of the fence when yeah. you have no reason to because your blood that wants to pay you favors yes. is the top of the family. It makes no sense. It was almost like he was innately jealous. Yeah, I think, you know, it was, uh, when I look at the character, it's one of these things that, like I said, when he gets out, he's trying to be straight. It's a guy that's trying to make it on his own. It's a guy that's trying to do it for himself. And even when he decides to go back to the underground, he can't get rid of wanting to make his own self, make it for himself, not be handed anything. Right. And it comes back to bite him. A big time. He got shotgunned. Yeah, he did. <laughs> now, here's my most hateable, Benny. And I'm hoping you're with me here, but I'm, it's a little bit off the beaten path. Because many people were expecting here Janice or AJ. My most hateable, and I used to cringe a little bit when I saw him on the screen, was Phil Leotardo's underboss. Now, you probably won't even recognize him by his name um, in the show, Butch DiConcini, but you would know his face if you saw it, gang. And he was extremely hateable. He would always make these little snarky remarks, remarks and... Um, he always pissed me off on this show. Funny, I actually have no problem with him. I actually relatively liked him. It's not that he goes on my top five list by any means or ah. even close to it, but he's not even close to the bottom five. His snarky remarks didn't bother you? No, not really. Wow. I, I think... Knowing you know, that Tony, all... if he got his hands on him, would wring his neck. The thing is, he had to deal with Phil on a constant basis. Yeah, true. So you had to be like that. You kind of had to play to that. <laughs> I yeah. think my most hated by far is AJ. And that might be a popular opinion, but God, did he suck. Sure. AJ, fuck. Yeah, a lot of people saw him as spoiled and weird and whatnot. And by no means was living in the image of his father or any of the male family members in his life. Well, what's funny is, okay, so I think if you break down AJ, you can find a lot of characteristics on AJ that follow a similar pattern to Tony to a lot of the members in the family however it comes from a newer generation dealing with those things and it thus it results in him being horrible and a little baby and so up and down back and forth not caring about anything and then the next day caring about everything and then it's just unbelievable the crybaby he is and the positions and spots that he's being handed and yeah. then, and yeah. early on too, I didn't necessarily hate him when he's fucking up in school, when he's being, you know, talking back a little. Doesn't yeah, it's, it's not realistic? Yeah, we it's were very realistic. Like that. It's not terrible. Yeah. But then it becomes one of these things where oh, he's just a little whiny baby, and he never seems to grow up. If anything, he seems to grow back a little. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So. He's your most hated. I guess my most hated is Meadow Soprano, even though Funny, I thought she was Meadow. hot as hell. But I hated how much of a liberal she was. Okay, I Meadow hate... actually is up there in my top characters list. Wow, that's how different we see it. Because I think she 
turns she evolves into such a better person while she's extremely liberal and out of her mind with that stuff i think she's definitely one of the smartest characters on the show i think she definitely is well thought and put together and always trying to keep putting herself to a better level and taking herself to a better step and she's not just going to settle for something mediocre and boring okay fair enough and my favorite character if i just really want to be honest about it is Christopher Moltisanti. We look alike in some ways. We value some of the same things, some similar aspirations. I always connected with Moltisanti. I like Moltisanti, obviously. Uh, he has a couple of those, you know, cocksucking qualities too to him. Sure. But at the end of the day, I do like him. He's a bit of a problem when it comes to drugs and I don't have a problem with that. So I enjoyed Moltisanti a lot. I would have to say my top earlier, I said it was Syl. I got a stick there. That's insane. Silvio, uh, it, to me, it's just almost easy. He's just so cool. He's so over the top. He's in charge of the strip club. He's in he's the number two under Tony. It, he's the most trusted guy, the consigliere. I, I gotta love him. I gotta love him. But also, Paulie Walnuts is a close second to me. Sure. How could he not be? So many epic lines. I got one more character that you need to mention in the most hated, and that is Artie Bucco. No, nah, I liked Artie uh, Bucco. Artie oh, sucks. We're off on all I these know. guys. Artie's terrible, I like Artie. man. Oh, oh I, another I, I little whiny baby. He gets so... Uh, he gets so jealous anytime any of these guys are hitting on somebody in his restaurant. He's jealous of their lifestyle, but then judges them for it. Uh, I hate Artie. I enjoy the respect that Tony has for him, knowing he's a civilian. He's not a mob guy. They're childhood friends. I, I do enjoy that. Um, now, man, if the Sopranos couldn't be any cooler, the cameo list that has appeared in this show is unreal. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor. I don't know if you remember that poker yep, scene in the, in the poker hotel scene. room. Yep. Black Panther, Michael B. Jordan. That was his first role in The Sopranos wow. in a Tony Dream sequence. Hmm. Frank Sinatra Jr. Yep. John Favreau, who mm -hmm. was almost like a full episode. It was almost more than a cameo. Yeah, fucked Christopher over. Yep. Um, Janine uh, Garofalo mm -hmm. was that same episode, I yep. believe. Burt Young from Rocky, which is fascinating because then Michael B. Jordan and Burt Young were in Creed together. Yeah. Lady Gaga. She was in episode three. She was one of Meadows' girlfriends in high school. Interesting. In season three. Tobin Bell. Many of you may not recognize that game, but he was the old man in Saw. Okay, yeah. He, he, and he also had a historic cameo in none other than Seinfeld, mm -hmm. which is our other favorite show. Mm-hmm. Michael Kenneth Williams from The Wire and was also in Boardwalk Empire. Will Arnett. Montel Williams. Annette Benning. The dad from Home Alone was the drunk detective, John Hurd. Mm -hmm. I was actually kind of sad for him in that show when he died. Yeah. He was actually a sad character. Mm -hmm. Remember he went to that high-end brothel. He was real yeah, depressed. Tony was Tony actually kind of liked him mm -hmm. and was trying to snap him out of it. Well, he got a lot of information to Tony, so oh, yeah, that's Tony why Tony needed. liked him. Yeah. But Tony had that higher level of niceness, too, sure. that you sensed superseded mm -hmm. just criminal activity. Ben Kingsley, yeah, who was in Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. Lauren Bacall. Eric Mangini. I was going to say, don't forget <laughs> the Manginius. That was one of the coolest, maybe. Yeah. Geraldo Rivera. Nancy Sinatra. And we can't forget Frankie Valley. And what's cool about that, Benny, is that Joe Pesci, Frankie Valley. And Frank Vincent kind of came up together. Yeah, very cool. 
Now, Benny, what's your favorite episode of The Sopranos? For me, I just, I gotta go with the damn Pine Barrens episode. I know there's other sleepers, but that episode was so friggin' epic. When Paulie thought, when, when they misunderstood, when Tony told him he was a part of the Interior Ministry, which is like their special forces over there, and they thought he was an interior decorator. I said, interior decorator? His apartment looked like shit. Mm-hmm. And just the ketchup packets, the deceit between Paulie and Christopher sneaking the ketchup and relish packets. Yeah. Paulie losing his shoe. Those two knuckleheads in the most adverse situations that would be quintessential like special forces Russian soldier shit in the mountainous snow and these are two neighborhood morons trying to track them down I mean that's just that's just gold Benny yeah I mean that is one of the classic episodes I think that might be the episode that everybody thinks of when you ask the best one I you know so many episodes run through my head one of the ones that's sticking out to me now is the college episode where Tony's taking Meadow down to visit a college in season one, and he runs into a guy that was a rat. And so throughout oh, yeah. the whole college visit, one. he He's going hunts down <laughs> and kills the guy that was a rat. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, how about how season two, episode one, opened with the recap of what had happened and with the Sinatra playing in the background with the montage? It was a very good year. It was a very good year. Yeah, no, that's interesting that you say that because while that sticks out to me, I believe it was the first episode of season three where they had a matchup of every breath you take to the Peter Gunn theme to where Tony was going about his day and the FBI was trying to break into his house and plant that wire in the light fixture that Meadow ends up taking. And all of that comes into play, but I, I found all of that very cool. No question. You've seen the multiple days of yes. these feds watching him and planning their day around his day and all. Oh, that. that was cool. Yeah. The way the um, the way they told that story with no dialogue. Yeah. Just clips of what very was going cool. on and, and that soundtrack. Meanwhile, throughout the whole thing, you see Tony paranoid and watching his rearview mirrors and all this stuff but missing the actual people that are watching him. Yes. Getting back to what we were talking about a little prior in this episode, dream sequences. Remember his hot neighbor? Oh, yeah. Uh, In the dream sequence, she was gorgeous. Gorgeous, man. Man, they had some beauties in this show. I don't think she was actually a neighbor. I think she was like a house sitter for the neighbors or something like that. Yes, that's exactly what she was. And uh, the Kusamanos. That was the neighbors, right? Um... Another episode I really like, Benny, is when they first went to Italy and how so many of them felt out of place. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really cool how they brought Furio back with them because they needed a guy. They needed another body. Um, And that was a character we forgot to mention in the top characters. Him and hitting on Carmella was always, you were always waiting for something to happen. I know. And And then he almost kills Tony. And that, yes. And that was another thing. They could have easily did it where... Tony kills Furio. Yeah. But no, they just got deported. Yep. He went back to Italy. Well, that makes more sense because Tony doesn't want to make bad with the old country. Exactly. And when he asked for Furio originally, the boss lady spit and got all annoyed because that's her best man. Yeah. So that would have caused serious problems had he killed off Furio. Oh, great point. Great point. Carmella was fantasizing about him. Oh, yeah. All the time. And she li- and he liked her. That was an interesting dynamic. Oh, so my most hated. I got it. I can't believe I left him out. Easily, my most hated character in The Sopranos is Father in Tintola. Uh. He was a house crasher. Yeah. He would use the girls. They would cook for him all this great food. Mm-hmm. He was condescending at times. A lot of times. I really didn't like how he spoke in general. Mm-mm. I didn't like his face. I nah. didn't like his nose. Nah. Nothing about him I liked. And he assumed this spiritual mentor role with Carmella, but it was almost like hitting on her at the same time. Oh, he was definitely hitting on her. And it was so awkward at moments. Yeah. And he's another one. 
like it would have put Tony in such a predicament because mm-hmm. Tony does have that higher level of understanding and kindness and generosity sure. but you're going to force this man to possibly kill a priest Ooh. you know so it, there was that anxiety mm-hmm. where is this leading mm-hmm. and that always struck me and geeked me so that facet plus his innate traits pissed me off sure and if I want to expand slightly on this so if we look at mainly the two guys that Carmela was kind of hitting on and crushing on while being married to Tony. It was the priest and Furio. Now both of them have this innate like problem to them. You know what I mean? She can't just hit on a normal person. She can't try and go after the normal person. She's got to go after this priest and somebody a business partner of Tony's and yeah. it's sort of this like sticking it to Tony for all of his stuff too well then she did like the construction guy and I believe they even kissed in one scene Okay, but that was during a time where she knew Tony was having an affair well I think she always knew Tony was having an affair but it also her choosing those two guys and the other ones that were around at times but specifically the priest and Furio was allowed Tony to kind of do even more what he wanted to do it gave him even more of an excuse because it was so out in the open in front of him and she admitted to the furia later that to him it was like all right well you know what i mean well fuck it what does it matter what i do yeah well gang that's pretty much wrapping it up for our sopranos episode we know if you listen to this episode the sopranos meant a lot to you like it did to us i truly believe that it might sound like an exaggeration But some of my favorite family memories were sitting down with my mother and father after a great Sunday dinner, what have you, and watching these Sopranos episodes and talking about it. And it was just always great entertainment. I wish we had more TV like it to this day. Not saying there's nothing good out there, but man, it's it's hard to top the Sopranos. No, I hear you. It's great. So, gang, until next time, you are now off the mark. Me and Benny are going over to Satriales for a little bite to eat.